This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including writing creative nonfiction. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is their designated Hillary Clinton watcher, Michael Warren. How do you like that job, Mike? Uh, you know, I can't fa- claim full credit. Daniel Halpers uh, wrote the book. I just uh, try to clean up wherever I can o- around the edges. And well, uh, hey, there's a lot of work to be done. No kidding. And I loved how you tweeted out with uh, just a hint of irony about Hillary Clinton and her comments on Sidney Blumenthal. I have many, many old friends. Is Sidney Blumenthal just an old friend of the Clintons? Uh, in fact, I think that may be the best way to describe him. He's uh, he is an old friend, uh, a crony, a Clinton, uh, former Bill Clinton aide, who is uh, just sort of the sli- kind of slimy guy that uh, uh, is just a perfect fit uh, for the Clintons. And uh, I mean, he is, uh, you know, I would say front page story in the New York Times. The the actual blockbuster story is on page A seventeen, unfortunately, but it's it's still a fantastic uh, uh, piece and really shows, I think, how deeply corrupt uh, the Clintons were, even in uh, the Obama administration. Well, let's step back a little bit. Sidney uh, uh, Blumenthal's uh, relationship with the government was so problematic that he wasn't able to work at the State Department when Hillary first got the job as Secretary of State, right? That's right. Uh, President Obama, or I guess, excuse me, some of President Obama's aides yes. suggested that uh, he, uh, uh, he <laughs> would not be a, a, a ideal person uh, as an undersecretary uh, at the State Department. I mean, give President Obama credit for, for sort of recognizing that uh, Sidney Blumenthal wasn't somebody that he wanted in his administration. Uh, and so uh, you, you have uh, Blumenthal, who then goes on the Clinton Foundation payroll uh, while Secretary Clinton is uh, at the State Department. <laughs> and he essentially becomes kind of a minister without portfolio, right? He just kind of, he, he doesn't really represent the United States or anything, but for somehow the things he has to say about our foreign policy get back to Secretary Clinton. That's right. I mean, he's he's literally sending her emails, uh, uh, saying, you know, this is this is what's going on on the ground in Libya. You know, this is before Gaddafi fell, and then and then of course after Gaddafi fell, uh, and he's uh, giving her, uh, you know, these bits of advice. She's forwarding it to members uh, of the State Department, and uh, and he's basically yeah, serving as an unofficial advisor on the Clinton Foundation payroll. Uh, oh, and by the way, he's consulting for uh, some folks who have business interests in Libya before and after Gaddafi. I mean, it's it's got sleaze written all over it. Well, that is kind of the standard operating practice, though, of the Clintons, right? And so you've got the Sidney Blumenthal character who is standing right in that murky political, uh, governmental, financial muck. What impact, if any, does this have on the storyline of Hillary Rodham Clinton, next president of the United States? 
I, you know, I think it's pretty devastating. You, know, you, you, you would think that we would all be numb to these kind of stories. And, and I was reading this last night when uh, this New York Times piece came out, and, and I was still shocked uh, at, at, at sort of how uh, blatant uh, and, and sort of brazen this was. Um, look, I mean, Hillary Clinton's in Iowa today. The whole reason I, the, she said that quote, I have many, many old friends, uh, she uh, uh, was at this event in Iowa. She's been hounded for weeks uh, by the press for not taking questions. Uh, she finally took some questions after this event, after Ed Henry of Fox kind of interrupted the event and said, hey, are you going to take questions from us? Uh, <laughs> to which she responded, uh, I'll put it on the list. I'll put it on the agenda. I guess she deigned to uh, to take a few questions. Uh, so, look, I mean, as long as she's sort of blocking the press from being able to answer questions or, or, or ask questions about this and, and, and not having to answer them, maybe she gets away with it. But I mean, th- these little bursts of uh, of answers that she gives uh, don't exactly make her look like a uh, a sympathetic or uh, person in this. I think I think they're a real problem. It's just a matter of will the press continue to push her on this, uh, and will she continue to say things that that make it look uh, like a, you know there's a whole racket going on here. Well, I don't. I mean, to me, we're beyond that point. There was obviously a racket when your husband's uh, fees for speaker speaking go up from a hundred thousand or so a speech to half a million or more a speech. When your uh, you know connected guy on the ground is working on Libya reconnaissance while money is coming in from Libyan interests. When you've earned thirty million dollars in fourteen months. I mean, it's just there's no it's not a racket. I mean, it's just you just you're the corruption store, just like, you know, Colorado legalized pot. The Clintons have legalized corruption. We're just going to do it. And the uh, Obama DOJ is not going to do its job. So it all comes back to the press. And this is my question. And Jonah Goldberg, uh, one of our friends, mutual friends over at National View, raised this issue. He asked a question. How long is the media going to let themselves be treated this way? How long is this professional guild, as they see themselves, going to, be, going to allow Hillary to make fools of them? And Michael Warren, before you give your answer, mine is forever. They're not going to. They, they will let her get away with it. They will not press this with any uh, uh, heat or serious pressure because they all will be voting for her in November of 2016. Yeah, that's that's generally how I would see it. Although I really do have to give the New York Times credit; they've been really pushing uh, a lot of these stories out, and, and they've had help uh, along the way from, I, I should say, Trey Gowdy's Benghazi uh, Select Committee. That he, I mean, a, a lot of these stories have come out of that, that investigation, including this Sidney Blumenthal one. Um, and and you know, when when the, even the New York Times is given uh, such a sort of blockbuster, uh, scandalous story, they've got to run with it, and that's what they're doing. So. Give them a little credit on this, but I'll you know, give them an A16s worth of credit. How about that? <laughs> I think that's fair. Because if this were George W. Bush or McCain or Romney, it would be front, 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 front page. You're absolutely right, uh, and uh, and and I think that's that's worth noting. But look, on the broader question of the press, I've seen a lot of people saying, look, the press should just not cover her at all and sort of take uh, <laughs> uh, the, the wind out of her sails. I, I'm I, the, the reporter in me kind of doesn't uh, doesn't really like that idea, just because look, even when she she does answer one or two questions right after an event, uh, we do get something, we do get a little bit, and I'd, uh, I I rather get something than nothing. Uh, but uh, on the other hand. 
it is, it's kind of a spectacle to see, uh, as I did on C-SPAN, a bunch of people at this uh, Iowa event, and they've just completely crowded around her. They've got their cameras and their pens and pads and all these sort of things, and they're sticking it in her face all to get just, uh, you know, a, a crumb of something from her. And, and the Chiron at CNN says, uh, you know, the, the big breaking news, Hillary Clinton answering questions. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do with that. It's, it's a topsy-turvy world. Well, her first act as president will be to end that right on the spot. So we, we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss this problem out of hand once she has the power. One last question for you, Michael Warren. The argument is already being made by Clinton supporters and Democrats, and actually some people I know who don't like either of those groups. They're just, they think they're being fatalistically realistic. The voters just don't care. The voters already know that the Hillary is a crook, and they, like Edwin Edwards in Louisiana, a group of them have decided to vote for her anyway, and the press can keep pushing. The voters don't care if she ever talks to the press. They hate the press as much as they hate politicians. And there's nothing that you can report about her that is going to shake the votes of these voters any more than there's anything that journalists could discover about her that would cause them to not vote for her. Is this already all a baked cake and we silly conservatives are just waiting for a slice of it? I'm sympathetic to that view. I hope it's not the case, and I, I kind of think it isn't, and, and this is why, and you're absolutely right, that, look, voters aren't even really paying attention. They don't care if she's not answering questions for 28 days or whatever the case is. Uh, that doesn't mean that reporters shouldn't hound the campaign and make it an issue, even just because voters don't care right now in May 2015, um, but... Uh, look, this is. I think this is going to have a cumulative effect. It's going to have an effect where people are sort of hearing about this stuff constantly. I mean, there's really a new kind of mini scandal or, or big maxi scandal coming out every week or every couple of weeks on the Clintons. And if it just builds up to the point where people be, just become so disenchanted with the idea, you know, I mean, you've got to get people excited. That was what Barack Obama had in 2008, uh, certainly in the primary and obviously in the general election, uh, when people were excited to come out and vote for him. He was the first black president, but he was also the an exciting candidate to uh, to get behind. You know, Hillary Clinton's got the first female president thing, but are people ultimately going to be gung-ho about it? Or, you know, if push comes to shove, something happens, the kids are, you know, uh, uh, having a problem and, and uh, you know, you need to get to soccer practice, are you really going to come out and vote for Hillary Clinton? I think this is a problem for her, is, is people are just going to ultimately end up saying, ah, you know what? I, I'm just—it's—I'm not that into it, and and I think that's a big problem for Hillary. Uh, even if all this other stuff is kind of baked in the cake, and everybody knows, yeah, they're corrupt, but I kind of like her anyway. Michael Warren, thanks so much for your observations. We appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.